The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Miles Wilmoth in the corner, a three-pointer no good, rebounded by Jackson. Great pass, Hawkins. Hawkins stuffs it home. Arquette with the ball up 14. Kolick to Joplin, right back to Kolick, still outside the arc, left side, 30 feet away, right side, now on the wing, Cam Jones, open three, good again, good again. Hey, welcome back. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Happy to have you with us. 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on Twitter, live on YouTube, 888-638-4876 to get involved on the show. Before we get to John Fanta, as we uh, wait closely by um, for him to join us on StreamYard. A cloud close. Close. Uh, pretty close. I'm like leaning into the camera, leaning close. into uh, my computer. Close, close. Uh, let's talk about Caitlin Clark for a moment and what she was able to do last night. Silly. Silly. She is unbelievable. She Four, four triple-doubles with 25 points or more are the most in Division One history. That's Caitlin Clark. That right there is Caitlin Clark. She had 28, 15, 10 boards. That's her eighth triple-double of her college career. Is there anyone better in college basketball than Caitlin 15 Clark? 15 dimes. And what'd she go from the foul line, like 9 of 10? Something like that. You know, because she was only 3 of 10 from behind the arc, I think. But she was like 9 of 10 from the foul line. She's sharing the rock. And I'm like, they just went into the Ohio State Buckeyes, number two ranked. What's the, and that was Ohio State's first loss, right? Mm-hmm. And they live and breathe through her. I know. Like or live and die, excuse me. Uh, and here's the interesting thing, because especially on the heels of Nebraska women's basketball this weekend, and boy, did they look like a different team without Widener, but uh, they got to get healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it is a mash unit out there for that basketball team. For what once was looked like a pretty promising mm-hmm. season, we may have to grab coat and talk. Women's hoops. We should. We should. John Fanta's in now. There he is. Look at him. John, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you? <laughs> My man. John, how are you this morning, buddy? Damon, it's good to see you. It's great. It's great to be on with you guys. It's been a, a little while. I yep. uh, love to be talking some college hoops with you. Love the Caitlin Clark chatter. I'll tell you what, guys, it's uh, it's a fun time of year. Everybody always talks about the madness and what, what that delivers. Like, if you follow college hoops night in, night out right now, it, it's there's just a different twist on true home games and true atmospheres and conference play and different teams go through the rough patch. Like, here, Kansas has lost three in a row. Who would have seen that coming two weeks ago? So, I love this time of year and the night-to-night grind. Uh, on that journey to March. John, we went through yesterday in, in a mini debate, and I heard Jay Billis and those guys say it too. And I just want I, – I feel like I should give pushback just because, but they were talking player of the year. And 
Andrew and I yesterday got into this back and forth of just Big Ten player of the year between Edie and Trace Jackson Davis. And, you know, 21, 13, and 61% from the floor versus Trace Jackson Davis of, you know, uh, 20. He shoots 60% from the floor, 10 rebounds a a game. And I'm like, why is it such a foregone conclusion that Edie is the guy? If you're you're having to defend or, or game plan and get your scout ready, would you rather Edie be on the roster or Trace Jackson Davis, the the human block party? Yeah, it's such a great question. It's an interesting argument. I mean, I, I still am going to say I'd rather face Trace Jackson Davis. And maybe that has to do with the supporting cast around him in Indiana. Uh, and, and it shouldn't because you're asking me individual talent. But when you combine the individual talent of seven foot four Zach Eady with his ability to just catch the ball from a good 10, 12 feet out and be able to make things happen because his hook shot, I mean, I'm fully convinced he could turn around from the elbow and knock that down with one hand. So it, it's, it, I'm taking the monster. I, I'm taking the monster. And I, I think when you look at the fact, guys, he has posted 26 and 14. Four times this year. It's only happened 11 times elsewhere in college basketball. And that's only happened for for a player once. Meaning 11 different players have done it. Edie's done it four times. That's absurd. (laughs) And his team... His team has one loss on the entire season. His team is what? 19 and 1. So for me... You got to hand it off to the guy who is winning the most, who is, who has had the Heisman moments at Michigan State. How demoralizing of a loss for the Spartans. Oh, yeah. Tom, Tom Izzo said after the game, and when do you ever hear Izzo say this? Izzo goes, I thanked my team in the locker room after we played well enough to win today. I guarantee you Tom Izzo's never said that. If he has, it's happened like two or three times in his entire career. You know why? On a day where Tyson Walker went for 30. Oh, he's nice. He still didn't have the best player in the game. <laughs> I mean, that is crazy. That's that's crazy. Yeah. That 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 to me is just that's that's baffling. You know? <laughs> I, I can't I, I can't even that'd be like sending me to an Omaha lunch buffet, and I wouldn't have the top performance. That's <laughs> <laughs> why so I always feel better when I head out to the press. Oh, <laughs> you get my, you get my I point. Get right. I get I'm it. I get it. John, you talk about being baffled, you know, absurdity. We could use any other word here to describe what we just heard from you. <laughs> Uh, but we also talked <laughs> yesterday about Creighton's future seed in the tournament. And after starting yeah. off ninth in the nation, they went from a potential Final Four team to most likely a double-digit seed. But as of today, who's, who's closer to being a 10 seed in the tournament? Would you say it's Creighton or Duke? Oh. Good question. Huh. Well... You know that Mike Shashevsky has more time to spend near the committee room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he does. Now, I, I would still say today, Creighton, because you did lose six in a row, and the committee's got to take that into account. 
But analytically, you would say Duke and and the direction that the programs are going in, you would say Duke as well. To me, guys, I, I, I'm buying back. If you can buy Creighton stock today, you should do it today and not next week or the week after. Because to me, I think the script sort of writes itself here. They were never going to stay down for too long. They've got the makeup and they've got the head coach who knows how to get his team to play the best basketball. There's no better coach in the Big East at getting his team ready for the Big East tournament than Greg McDermott. It's it's kind of insane how good of a coach he is around that week of the year. And it's a reason why his team has been to four Big East tournament finals in nine years. So I, I think that that they could end up on the same seed line. But if you're asking me, like, I don't – today – the bracket doesn't come out today. So it would be Creighton today. But who am I buying? Who do I feel better about going forward? It's got to be Creighton. Because at the end of the day, Creighton has top 10 talent, but a coach who's experienced, let's face it, John Shire is not experienced That's in this role. Sh- showed last night against Virginia Tech. Yeah, it really did. His late-game execution was not very good. So I'm I'm buying the Blue Jays. And, guys – you know, I'm not saying that this will happen, but it would not shock me. It, it really would not shock me if Creighton goes on a crazy run. And I have this gut feeling. I've had it since the start of the season, and I maintain the gut feeling. I, I think Greg McDermott's finally going to get his big first Big East tournament title. Mm. I just think it's so due to happen. And I think if that happens and you go on a run, you could wake up Selection Sunday with how soft this bubble is and with how ever-evolving it is. And oh my gosh, Creighton went from a 10 or 11, and in about six weeks, they made it a 6 seed. You yeah. know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, all I'm saying is I wouldn't rule it out. They're one of the teams who could do it. It's interesting, too, because they're only 1-5 in five against mm-hmm. quad one teams, but yeah. they've got a chance to really make some hay. I mean, Xavier, Marquette, Providence, I want to stay right in the Big East because they got my attention. I don't know when I made the tweet. I think you know, they were maybe only 3-1 and one in the Big East. And I said, Marquette looks like a team that is going to be pretty good. How in the world did Shaka Smart run it back with that lineup without the yeah. additions to have Marquette 16-4 and four doing what they're doing this year right now? With honesty and accountability, seriously. Um, so his team had won eight of nine games last year right around this time. They then proceeded to lose six of their final nine games. And Shaka Smart had player exit interviews, and his players talked to him. And they were real with him, and he was real with them. And the fact is, guys, at the end of the season, last year, Marquette had egos at play. They had a guy in Justin Lewis who, frankly, wanted to go pro and did. You guys know what that what mm-hmm. happens to a roster that's divided in where they are directionally and in what can happen there. And Shaka, look, he took the blame. He didn't have this. He didn't have his team ready for the stretch run of the season. They got beat. They got beat. So immediately, like to me, Shaka Smart doesn't look at Marquette as a stop. He looks at it as a destination. He's from Wisconsin. His mother lives there still. He's got a beautiful wife, a, a great daughter, 
and and family to him. He's been able to reconnect with his family in Milwaukee and and the Wisconsin area as opposed to Texas. And and I know this doesn't have anything to do with basketball. We're going to get there. But to be able to tell what's happened on the floor, you have to be able to tell some of the things that have happened. They have those X interviews, and they talk about kind of how they build on this. How do they avoid having the same type of season in year two from year one? Well, then in the preseason, he takes his team on a retreat in October for a couple of days. He told me the players controlled 98% of the conversation in terms of goal setting, in terms of what they planned to do, what they mapped out. At that point, they knew they were picked up in the Big East, how they exceed those expectations, and how each guy performs his role. They allocated roles on this retreat. Now, in 2022, college sports, it is a hell of a lot easier to hand out dollars than it is to be real with each other and say, here's what we need to do to win. Mm. And that's exactly what they did. And they said, Tyler Kolick, you've got to be an elite distributor. Cam Jones, you've got to be our scorer. Oso Iguodaro, you've got to hang with Ryan Kalkbrenner and Adama Sanogo. They, they laid them out. And they even had some tough conversations. Now, trans, transition to what this season's been. They know who they are better than anybody in the Big East. They're the top offensive team in college basketball. That illustrates it. Ken Palm has them number one in adjusted offensive efficiency. And it's because they have the best backcourt in the Big East, in my humble opinion, with Kolick and Jones. And mobile bigs, their size is mobile. It can run. Smart with his staff, was very intentional in bringing in guys. He brought in Nevada Smith, who had G League experience, a, a guy who had been a part of NBA offense, knows what it looks like. He's very intentional in getting guys who could modernize his approach and make Marquette different than other teams in the Big East. They're actually a very specific team to scout. They're a specific team to face. And that is what has led this group, just old-fashioned player development, not making mm. a transfer splash, mm. not bringing in this huge freshman class, and they're 16-5 and five and 8-2 and two in the Big East. And I think, as we talked today, that they could very well win the Big East Conference. And you know why? Uh, they've gone against the grain in today's climate of college hoops. They're just doing it by buying in to the guys they already have. There's not a ton of programs doing that. John, you- I think it's built the respect from the players. John, we appreciate your time. Thanks Amazing. so much today. And, and you know, we got to talk again soon. We got, we got to. You, you got a, a boatload of information up there. We have to get it out of you. Appreciate it, John. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you. Joel Lorenzi's next.